Hello, everyone. Welcome to World at War Comics. I'm Tommy, your host, and uh, I am the creator and writer of the comic book Kingsville. Right now, issue number two has a Kickstarter. Head over to Kickstarter, type in Kingsville. We would love your support. Um, these will ship out in January. It's all done. All we need is your backing. All right. Today, we have an amazing guest, but before we get into that, we would like to mention two of our sponsors of the show. One, Cien Chili's, the best hot sauce you could buy. Go to cnchilies.com. And if you use comics at checkout, you're going to save 15% off your entire order. That's free shipping, if not more. It's C-I-E-N-C-H-I-L-E-S.com. And then also our good friends over at Comic Crusaders, the best in comic book reviews, movie reviews, music reviews. They even have a, a channel on YouTube where they also interview some of the best in the comic book industry, movie industry. Um, go check them out, ComicCrusaders.com. All right, without further ado... This conversation is absolutely incredible. I have none other than Chuck Patton. He is a comic book artist and writer. He is a producer. Um, he is actually an Emmy award-winning um, director for Spawn, the HBO series back in 1997. Um, we just have an amazing conversation about anything and everything from Hollywood to comic books. You don't want to miss this at all. Chuck is an amazing person, and I had a blast conversating with him. All right, without further ado, here is Mr. Chuck Patton and I. Thanks, everybody. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to World at War Comics. Another amazing guest today, Mr. Chuck Patton, artist extraordinaire, animator extraordinaire, producer extraordinaire. Uh, man, Chuck, I, I can't tell you what an honor it is to have you on the podcast. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Tommy, for asking me. I, I, it's always hard to hear when people run down your what you've done. Yeah. Uh, I've been raised by some humble people, so it cracks me up to hear that. Because I also have siblings who would go, he's not that great. Anyway. <laughs> so. I, I would say Emmy nominated and yeah. the award winning Chuck Patton, man. That's pretty, yeah. uh, not too many people hold one of those, man. It's kind of trippy, man. It, it, I mean, there was, the, the first time I was nominated was honestly on a show that I knew should not even have been nominated. But really? we were. And uh, we we're up against probably the best show on television. So I remember. I knew the director. It was Batman the Animated Series. Okay, yeah. And I remember talking to the director, I think it was Dick Sebast, and was telling him, dude, if I win, I swear to God, I'm going to give this to you. <laughs> you guys, and they won. And it was like, well, I know he's not going to give it to me. <laughs> and well, he shouldn't, you know. Yeah. Right, right. Is that it right behind you, right over your shoulder? That's it over my shoulder, yeah. That is so crazy that you just. I got to get a better setup. I got, you got to realize I'm still trying to unpack where I am. Oh, and, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So that's my only. I need to get a new one and get it a better lighting. I was just thinking the other day. Yeah. You know, this should be on the top shelf, but I can't get it because the damn lamp is too low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. I mean, I think some store uh, Star Wars fans would be okay with. Is that Mandalorian above it? That's Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. I think they'd be uh, okay with that. <laughs> Mandalorian Andor saved my love for Star Wars. Oh wow! And uh, I, I, there's something about Mandalorian that just hits me. I was telling a buddy of mine last night we had dinner about how, um, you know, there was a magic lost in Lucas and then somehow immediately found by Mandalorian. Yeah, and I just, you know, I loved it. So I, my girlfriend got me that helmet, oh, cool. <laughs> which was really nice. So yeah, I mean that. Out of all the new series that they've come out with, Mandalorian and Andor are my two favorites. And Absolutely. Andor is kind of a sleeper. I think a lot of people yeah. still haven't watched it. Yeah. And it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's the testament of a good show. It's like it doesn't have any of the real 
I was just, just again discussing it with someone saying now we're seeing what this war is really about. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, we hear about Star Wars, but everything's been overshadowed by Sith and Jedi and powers and the force. And then you go, no, it's people. There's yeah. people, whether they're aliens or not, it's yeah. people. And this show came out roaring, you know, and I loved it. I I, I always find if a show hits me in the heart, yeah, then it's got me. You know, and that show hit me in the heart. And that was, you know, so those two, that's what for me saved Star Wars. I won't even get into the others because everybody's, you know, yeah. yeah <laughs> everybody has their opinion. Yeah, <laughs> everyone has their opinion. Like, I, there's a lot of stuff that I don't like and I just keep it to myself, right? Because just because I don't like it doesn't mean someone else doesn't. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, when I do reviews, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I tend to do reviews on things that I've enjoyed and the things that I don't, I just kind of leave it alone because. One, I've, I've attempted to create a comic book and it's hard. Mm, it's expensive. It's hard. Hard. So yeah. even if someone, you know, if, even if it's something that I don't like, I could appreciate the hard work that went into the process of making it. And that's enough yeah. for me to trash something. Yeah. That's yeah. a hell of a, that's a, you just given a leap. I wish many had understood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, you know, it, I mean, I'm happy that we have such a, a huge fan culture. Yeah. A huge yeah. culture where we can talk back and forth. It's now normal. It's, more than normal, successful to be associated or even no comics and movies right. and you know animation. On the other hand, everybody wakes up thinking they're an, uh, because they like something, it makes them an expert. Yeah, right. as an expert in the field, that doesn't qualify, <laughs> you know. But I hear a lot of opinions, and that's the thing; it's an opinion. Yeah. And most people don't realize, like you just said, something key until you do it. Mm -hmm. You really don't understand how difficult this is. Yeah, it is very difficult. And I would tell anybody and have told a lot of people coming into comics, mm -hmm. um, don't expect to make a living. Yeah. It's not about making a living. It was hard then, but here's the thing we had that I don't hear a lot of people talking about. Mm -hmm. We had an absolute love of the, of, the, of the art. Yeah, This is what made us. We love comics. Mm -hmm. Those of us who drew comics, yeah. you know, instead of one or two who had a little attitude about, you know, I'm going to be a superstar crap. <laughs> um, and like you, I don't talk about them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, I wish him into the cornfield. That's all good. <laughs> so, um, but uh, I know that a hundred percent, ninety-nine percent of us came into this field because we loved it. Yeah, exactly. and the only thing that keeps you in the field or doing anything in the field is a love of it. Yeah, but there's only a handful who actually have successfully made a career out of it. Yeah, yeah, and it's not as easy as you think. It's difficult. Yeah, yeah very much. You so. know, and again, you. You had an insight that most people don't get. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, it's very difficult. And then you know, people start to read it. You know, so you get some people like, "Wow, this is incredible," and other people like, "This guy hopefully has another job because this is." Yeah. Not right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying, go ahead. I'm sorry. Let me... No, no. I go ahead, please, Chuck. No, no. This funny. It's funny we hit on this subject because that's a big thing that's come up this week. Oh, um, I know. With uh, and, you know, and I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna. Actually, it's two things that came up. Yeah. One, I had no idea what the hell was everybody was talking about. Yeah. When I figured out what I was talking about, I had to fall back on. And I, those who work with me know when I say, hey, I'm going to sit on the corner with my, I'm, I'm going to sit on the porch in my rocking chair and eat my popcorn. They know <laughs> that Chuck is really staying out of this because <laughs> I really don't care who's going to win. It's going to get up. It. And um, um, I felt that way. And the other one was an anger that came up in me, but the thing I had to sit back on and go, you know what? It's going to burn out the way it's going to burn out. You've been at this game long enough. Yeah. And the bottom line is, until you do it, yeah. you can talk You can talk down on it. it. Nobody knows what the other guy is doing. You don't know what anybody's going through. 
I don't know what you're going through. You don't know what I'm going through. But to make a statement when you see something. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, all of a sudden you see this mob mentality take over. Yeah. I'm sticking out. I'm I'm yeah. taking care of my own, but I'm not going to get involved. Just yeah. That's, that's yeah. wrong. Because I know how yeah. difficult it was to get there. So, yeah, exactly. but again, those who don't know, look up, go to Google. I tell my artists all the time, Google's your friend, figure it out. Yeah. I'm not going to put any heading on it, to, you know, but, it, but it bothered me because it was a lot, both had a lot about hearsay. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's and, unfortunate, you know, and I think that the time that we're in with social media, yeah. um, it's just, it's very easy yeah. to to say things because there's not a lot of repercussions from you ever notice if someone says something derogatory or mean, I bet you 99.9% of those people, if you were standing in front of them would not say the same thing. Right. And so because it's so easy, um, you're seeing so much of it on social media. And at the end of the day, right. I think we're all comic book fans. Um, We want the, we want this to be very strong. We want it to be successful because we want it to be around for a long time. You know, I, I want comics to be around for my kids and hopefully yeah. for their kids as well. And so I, I think it's okay to say, look, there's a few issues going on in comics. Here's how I think we could fix it. Um, but even when you say that, you have to be really careful that you're not, you know, shooting somebody <laughs> while you're saying it, right? Because I don't, I think you're just creating a whole other issue that's different, but the same. Um, that's already taken place, right? You know what I hear, what I hear when you say that, when I hear someone say that, I hear them, I hear them talking. I don't yeah. hear or I don't see them doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Talking a big game about how to fix it, but where is that thing to show me what you're talking about? Exactly. And until you do it, it's just air. Yeah. Denzel Washington had a beautiful way of putting it. Now I'm trying to remember it because I'm terrible at quoting. I yeah. have it in my memory, but yeah. then when I time for me to quote it out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think he was saying there's a big difference between wishing. It broke down as a big difference between wishing and doing. Yeah, yeah. You wish to be a great actor, but you're going to be a great actor, you'd be doing it. Yeah. yeah. And that's going to speak more than how much you wait and telling everybody how, how, how wonderfully talented you are. Yeah. I think he had a more religious background on it. Um, but it, this, it, this, this, this? Uh, Denzel Washington. Oh, Denzel, yeah. Says something like, about, well, Denzel's like prophet, a, That guy's a prophet. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say he's a damn prophet now. He's taking yes. the focus, you know. <laughs> And everything he says is like a bond, just just uh, just nuggets of, of not only wisdom but just solid experience. And he was absolutely right. Is that you know to put the work in? That's yeah. how you do it. Yeah, yeah. You can name three or four comics that I go. That's landmark stuff. I don't care what anybody says. I'm looking at what they've done and yeah. the fact that they're consistent. Yeah, yeah, it's impressive to me. I don't care how many bells, whistles, better paper, better color, better whoever. Yeah. The fact that they've been consistent is impressive because I know how much it took to get there. Absolutely. And if they're good, also, you know, the other side of it is um, I may like it. And even if it is successful, it depends on how everybody else perceives it. In other words, you can have I had many shows that I've liked and done that have gotten canceled. Yeah. Like, yeah, why was that canceled? It was so good. Well, believe it or not, it was numbers. Yeah, it was wrong, but it was numbers. It didn't matter if it was well written. And this has been going. This is not a recent thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's been going on since the dawn of media. <laughs> so you know, you got to be a student of the game before you start talking BS about about the present. But yeah. most people don't get that because it's too much effort <laughs> for them to think about it. So anyway, I don't want to. I'm not Denzel. 
So no, no, but I, I mean, I think the insight is really good. Do you think because there's so much content um, with Netflix and Amazon and Apple TV, and then obviously you have cable and Max, yeah. that because there's so much content that uh, the chance of something like getting a second season is a lot less just because there's just so much information coming at the same time. So you really have to be good at what you do more so than faster. There is that. And then there's another insidious thing that most people can't talk about because they're not in the rooms and that's money. Um, You know, I mean, we'll be here forever if I tell you the side of things that I see it, but I'll put it out there again. I put it out there for those who are smart enough and really want to look, you look and find out what I'm talking about. Okay. Just to make me into a liar. Which yeah. I, I encourage anyone, make me into a liar. That's good. I, I, I'd rather you think for yourself than just take my word for it. But again, putting in, I hate to say it, but I can now 40 years in the business. Yeah. That I've seen some things. Yeah. And you're right about that. Content is huge. Content is content has went, content was like this wild horse that got out of the out of the corral yeah. in in the in the 90s when uh, uh, we thought uh syndication was gonna be the well syndication became the wild frontier mm. and no one had any idea i mean the, if somebody says something i remember somebody brought up streaming once mm. back then and we go you're not gonna do that because <laughs> who's gonna pay you money for something like that yeah yeah now, it's like you're right everybody in his mother's got a streaming service and that's basically i wouldn't i would say it has definitely cut into the coffers of of, of syndication yeah. you know syndication is really for the parents you know, for, the, for for a certain niche that are not is not uh, as challenging to find more content. They just want to see the same shit over and over again. Yeah, syndication is great for that, and it has done its job. But streaming, mm-hmm. oh my god, that's the new wild wild frontier. If we again, if we knew this in the nineties, there would have been more people jumping on it and more money put into it. Absolutely, jump to now. That's what's happening. There's so much money going into these things, and um, and now. The problem is, it's not so much money. You're right; it's content. So this 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 thing is like a, um, it's constantly eating. It's constantly, you know, and your audience is constantly wanting something new, mm-hmm. and and because there's so much, it, it, there's so much, and I mean, social. <laughs> we get we'll be on here forever talking about <laughs> that. It's kind of scary. I mean, I used to be a journalism student. Yeah. So had to work with. Uh, well, I was a journalism major, English minor, but I also, as a journalist, you also have to understand social media. Right. At the time, social media was watching the medium and see how it affects us. It isn't this thing we have now. <laughs> Again, if we knew what we had then, it would scare the shit out of everybody. Yeah. And um, just looking at the trends and seeing how, you know, just seeing how the studios have to come up with new stuff and new things and who's new. And, what what's attractive now and and have to constantly feed this beast because you are in competition now yeah i mean i just heard a, a rumor i'm just gonna throw it out there because i'd like to stir the pot yeah. but um i've heard that <clears throat> there's a um there's a big network a big studio that's up for grabs and the person the people who they think is gonna buy it makes sense because they got shitloads of money is amazon yeah. and if amazon buys them that will put them on the level of like say disney Wow. But on the other hand, you have to sit there and go, okay, you got this big dinosaur you bought. Yeah. And now you got to channel their crap through you. And oh, by the way, you're just coming up on this streaming thing. You know, all of a sudden it's a beast. It's a new beast. 
and they got to keep it going. So, yeah, but that's to me, that's the key thing. And I hope I'm not going off off the track here. But oh, it's great. Yeah. Content is important, but money, greed is what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, if you don't want to call it greed, commerce. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's a nicer word. You know, it's a nicer word. I'm no, I'm no socialist, but I certainly have my socialist leanings. But yeah. all this is driven by the money, the dollar. What? Yeah. Who's getting the dollar? How they? This is how Netflix became Netflix. Yeah. I used to work for HBO, and to see them taking HBO's playbook, yeah, and become who they are, and HBO stayed who they are, and still surviving. It's interesting. But yeah. if you look at behind the scenes, yeah, there's a lot of money going back and forth. The scariest thing about it is that the creators aren't the ones getting the money. Yeah. That would be the next fight, and it may not even be, I might not even be in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. But it's something I see and I go, yeah, obviously. I think of um, and many of us who work in the field could say the same thing. Yeah. That we've created so much content. And if you saw what we got out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's billions going in here, but we're getting maybe thousands, hundreds if we're lucky. Yeah. And that's interesting. You, you have this this last week, right? We've had a movie out of Japan, uh, yeah. the Godzilla movie, cost $15 million to produce. And you know, it's a fire. And then yeah. you have some movies, which I won't name any, but you know, <laughs> all these movies in the U.S. are costing you know, a hundred to three hundred million dollars to produce. You mean well, how do you have <laughs> such a gap between a fifteen million dollars to produce, which has CGI and everything else, and then these US movies that are costing close to 250, 300 million. I mean, we're how is that even possible to have that big of a gap? And one is killing it in the box office, and the other ones um have been deemed as kind of failures. Yeah. It just seems well, weird. Again, I think it's I, I keep thinking of arguments they used to have in comics, not arguments, but discussions in comics. And then when I got out television, it's the same discussion. Yeah. And it's, I call it, it's, it's called under the bean counters. Mm. I mean, these are the guys who are, who, who are putting the money up for these things. Yeah, it's the creative people who found out how to get around it. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you something that I heard as a rumor. I'm not sure, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. As much as they're touting that Godzilla cost uh, $15 million to make, mm-hmm. I don't think it did. Okay, yeah, that would make sense. Cost more, yeah. um, because what they didn't take in consideration, or no one said, or I haven't seen it, is that well, we're talking yen to dollar. Okay, how much was it actually of yen went into this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to what was be dollars? And there's shortcuts that I know working with Japanese and or just uh, overseas studios. There are things that they would do to get what they their content done that they won't do for us who we're paying the big money to. Yeah, yeah. Not a bad thing. It's just business and it works out for them. You know, um, we don't know. Yeah. That's what I'm putting. I'm I'm not saying what I just said is true, but I'm right. telling you from experience, I know that happens. Yeah. And as much as I'm excited, I mean, I haven't seen the Godzilla movie. Every friend I know has seen it. Yeah. They all said the same thing. And now I'm seeing the naysayers, which is, God, you can count on them like turn off the light and the roaches come out. You know, <laughs> it's going to happen. And the naysayers all, you know, they all, they're saying a version of, well, it's not that good. But I'm yeah. like, here's the thing. If you push your ass in the seat to watch it, it's good. Yeah, it's good. He's got you to give them money. They're, you already lost the fight, buddy. If you right. spent money to drive there, to get a seat, to get the popcorn, you've no. lost. You're done. I don't care if you hate the movie. They got you. But yeah. um, bottom line is this, is that 
that's a beautiful that's a beautiful thing if it happened yeah um how to get there is going to be really tricky we won't know until we know yeah when it does finally come out um I don't think it's going to, I can tell you one thing, it's not going to start a huge tsunami of everybody saying, I got 10 million, I can make a movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because it, again, it takes more than that. Yeah, yeah. I worked with someone recently who had, who came to a project with a certain budget mm-hmm. and it was what a fair budget. And um, he asked for all these things to be done. The thing that was the problem and I'm kind of going out of school, but I don't care. I'm feeling kind of, kind of, <laughs> um, for all the budget that he had, which worked, if it was in the hands of someone a little more competent and experienced, yeah. it would have probably worked well in selling the story, but he had no story. He really had no story. Yeah. He thought he had a story. Yeah. And to this day, I have not seen this thing done, even though it has been done almost coming on two years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, should have been done. I was involved in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was supposed to be an advisor, but it was an It's like he would he took the advice up to the point where he thought he can take over as director, gotcha. and he did. And then I haven't seen the word, yeah. but I thought it was funny because I saw something recently that's become a hit that was kind of the same type of story he was trying to do, but done better. And I know they had more money. Uh, that's one thing, but the most important thing, everybody on it was more experienced. Yeah. yeah. So. Again, money talks, money gets these things made, even with something like Godzilla. It wasn't $15 million and they're going into the into the uh, to the barn and go, hey kids, let's throw a dance. No, these guys, whoever did it, the people who've done it, yeah, came to the table with a real plan and they executed it and they spent the money where it was supposed to be spent. That's the other trick. You can have all the money in the world, you gotta know where to spend it. Yeah. Yeah. Who to hire, who to give it to, who to trust to get it done. Mm-hmm. Um that's a big, 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 big thing. That's that's the big, that reminds me of Steve Martin's old joke about how to be a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite anecdote I always tell people, because he, he used to do this thing, goes, you can be a millionaire. All you need is three steps, three steps, and you can be a millionaire. <laughs> I'll tell you, that he would drag that out for this is a, And he goes, okay, the three steps are, first, you need a million dollars. <laughs> Which I love because it's like, okay, I get it. You know? and, and there's almost some truth in that, right? It's, no, it's, it's deadly truth. It's, it's <laughs> funny as hell. It's, it's <laughs> what you imagine, but it's exactly what it is. Because these yeah. people, this stuff, they come with the attitude of that. But it's yeah. not just having the million. It's knowing where to spend it, yeah. who to spend it with. And if your product is smart enough to take advantage of the money you have. In other words, if it's good. So that's my whole diatribe about that. Yeah. Without thinking names, with those who know and see this, would go, "Oh, Chuck spoke out of school," <laughs> yeah. and I don't. Well, care. I get you in trouble, Chuck. That's for sure, man. I, what are they going to do? Tell my mom she's been yeah. years. <laughs> <laughs> and I've now become the son of my father wanted me to be. So that's a good thing. There you go. <laughs> we all become that though. Yeah, my, uh, my dad was a two-fisted kind of guy, so he was like, "Yeah, go get him, son." Go yeah, yeah. <laughs> My mother was the one going, oh, don't make a loud noise. Well, yeah, yeah. Like that, you know, so anyway, I, I veered off there for a second. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I love it. I love it. You know, what? There's, there's a whole group, and I've interviewed a few on my uh, podcast of comic book creators that have come in yeah. to, because they feel like that will be the good blueprint that then go to Hollywood 
um, mm. with their story, right? So if they could start with some sort of a graphic novel. They think get in front of a director with that is a little bit easier. You have kind of the the pictures in the back. You have the story. It's a little bit yeah. simpler. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you buy into that or do you think <laughs> it's not happening as often? Once again, I am not going to tell you names. Let's keep names um, up. I've seen it happen. Yeah. And again, what has what was the interesting thing about it? It was a situation when I was called in um, to be an advisor. As I call it, I'm the pigeon in the in the in the mind. You know what that means? No, no. What's that? Pigeon in the mind used to be, and I'm saying it's actually canary in a cage. Oh, canary. Uh, but what it but it came from the uh, an actual practice of coal miners mm-hmm. when they go underground, and you know some gases were invisible. They would oh. take the canary in a cage. And if the canary died, they knew to get the hell out of there. <laughs> you know, if the canary died, they were doomed, you know. Yeah. Uh, that was a practice for many years. And in a lot of adage, it became this sort of early warning system of, yeah. you know, I mean, there's other uh, analogies I can give you, but that's the best one. Yeah. And when I was brought on this show, I remember when I said that, they all just gravitated at the studio as well as the producers. Like, yeah, 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 that's it. And I knew, oh, shit. If I'm the cage, if I'm the canary in the cage, then we do have a problem. Yeah, yeah. And there was a problem. They got it straightened out. It was still was very difficult. And um, it came with the adage of, okay, we're adapting something from a different medium. And mm-hmm. we're going to take it. These people really wanted the medium to actually go into the movie. In other words, they wanted exactly the way the comic was. Yeah. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. that's possible. But you also got to take consideration that these are two different beasts. Mm. And you got to be willing to adapt that. And that's where the big hiccup was. Because you had animators, they had two different studios, two different countries, um, actually three different countries, who um, normally weren't, they normally worked together, but they were used to having a little more latitude. Okay. And then you had the studio, in this case, the owners of the book saying, we got to make it like this. It's got to be like this. Which is fine, except the people you put to do that really had very limited experience to do that other than the scoopers to do it. And by some hook and crook, meaning money, (laughs) that's how they got it done. Uh, It probably went over, I I know it went over budget to get done. It's a big hit. Um, Okay, what's the lesson learned here? Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of back to what we're saying. You had a good project, you had a good script, but in this case it was producers and it made it harder to get it, to get everybody at the table to agree that this is how we're going to do it. Uh, and it took having to bring in a canary in the cage to say, okay, here's your problem, here's your problem, there's your problem. How are you going to fix it? And why I'm saying that is that I just described because of my experience, this is hard, but for anybody else, it's a nightmare situation mm. because a lot of money is involved, a lot of personalities, a lot of people. And it wasn't the first show I was brought on that year to deal with, deal with that. Okay. And a lot of money was thrown to save. One got saved, the other one was destroyed. Wow. And that's why I'm not mentioning names. Yeah. But the one that was destroyed was very successful, but it also had a very checkered, troubled history. Okay. Of, of every year they tried to reinvent themselves and kept doing the same problem over and over again. Wow. The new show caught on and for whatever reasons, I'm not involved with it, but um, they made it. But it was another one where they went, okay, now, why am I saying all this? Because it isn't as easy as saying, I've got a comic book. It is the new pitch machine. That is the new pitch Bible now. 
is yeah. if you got a pre a pre created uh, thing, a comic book particularly, mm -hmm. that does help sell it absolutely. Because yeah. you're selling to people who don't have a freaking vision anyway. <laughs> I, there's a lot That's of scary, people. man. That's scary. It is, and I'm telling the truth, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm taking too damn many. Denzel can get away with it because he's a great actor, and they're going to hire me. But me, it's like, oh, I just put another nail in the coffin. <laughs> um, I don't care. Uh, but, um, because you get to a place where it's like, I, I've learned in my experience to tell the truth. Yeah. So that someone will learn from it, not to deter you. Yeah. You're going to get deterred if you don't, to my mind, you don't really have the talent. Mm -hmm. yeah. You don't really have the courage to see through what you want to do. Right, right. Those I've met who have, whether I agree with them or not, that means they had a vision. They wanted to get this done. Those first people I was telling you about. Yeah. Despite all my point now things to them, I knew they wanted to get this done. Yeah. And I knew they were going to get it done. It was just going to cost a certain amount of money. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, the days of just walking in and saying, hey, I got an idea. Those days are over. Back in the day, I remember doing that with shows. Really? I've, on, I've pitched, I, I've worked on so many properties in one particular studio. Yeah. I was part of their development team. Yeah. And uh, a show that most people don't know that I'm talking about a lot more now that I helped create from the bottom up was Captain Planet. Mm. And Captain Planet was so basically shat out of my ass. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I should ask, are we PG-13 or are we? Good. Whatever, yeah. We're whatever Chuck is. I, I, get, I get a little colorful, especially my okay. own. We can be Again, this is my father coming out of me. Yeah, I love, so, it. I love it. We don't want to change Chuck. He was a profane poet. poet you know? <laughs> he had 25 ways of saying motherfuckers. So yeah, know. yeah. Well, my dad was a Marine, so I, I heard those words. There you go. Yelled at me quite often. Yeah. There you go. I have a Marine. Uh, Navy, uh, my oldest brother's Navy. My second yep. oldest brother's Marine. Yep. And my, um, the brother over me who thinks he's older. <laughs> and uh so you know it's like we got we got the swabs and the the double dogs and the yeah, yeah. <laughs> family coasties in the family anyway um but um i digress <laughs> um, <laughs> um, i do that occasionally i'm just trying to keep it from i created detroit, <laughs> detroit <laughs> because i wanted to see hero that uh, nobody cares about that <laughs> um, um no, uh, it's, uh, I'm trying to remember. Help me here, Tommy. Where was I? I got, <laughs> I got lost. Yeah, yeah. No, we were we were talking about Hollywood. We were talking about uh, oh, Captain. I was that, saying Captain, Captain Planet. Uh, Planet. Yep, Captain Planet. Captain Planet started as kind of a. It, it was both a nickname and a joke mm. that Ted Turner was given by one of his girlfriends. Really? Yeah, it wasn't from some great damn piece of literature. Oh, believe me, no. It was absolutely, this was like, if I was calling you, hey, Tommy Two-Tone. Yeah, yeah. you know, Tommy Two-Tone could be a character. That's how it went. And then <laughs> he had the problem, I'm sitting at a big table of 15 different executives, right. all trying to figure out, okay, now that we got Captain Planet, what is he? Yeah. And none of these people, I want to say none of these mofos, because I just yeah, said yeah. but none of them really knew what the hell they were doing. <laughs> and I was the comic book guy, but I was given orders to shut up. <laughs> not to bring my nerd sensibilities <laughs> to it. And yet I was there to to kind of back them if they came into some corner, except yeah. they were so stupid, they almost lost the property. Oh, and then I started whispering to my boss, 
where we should go with this. Uh, and the person who was from Turner, it was actually the girlfriend who gave him the name, um, who was like a, a female Indiana Jones type uh, uh, journalist who had actually went down into the, the Amazon and and fought with the um, the Indians to the native the, the indigenous tribes to protect their lands. So she was the real deal, wow. and she really had no she had she had no as she called it. I don't want that that macho yeah, yeah. male wearing spandex shit in my world, you know? <laughs> okay. So, so that was why they go, you don't say anything, Mr. Superhero guy. And, um, and yet here we are trying to create a superhero. Yeah, yeah. But I had to use different words. And luckily I, I thank God for a, an education where I read, I knew the words to use to get her up and going. And she just jumped on the bandwagon. She kicked everybody out and kept me in, in the, in the guy who was the, the, the became the, the lead writer. Yeah. to figure out the series and we did and we showed it to ted and ted loved it he didn't care as you say he could have been a it could have been a turn on the stick if it made everybody happy i'm happy <laughs> he, he was another he was an interesting guy <laughs> i've only heard stories but i heard he's a pretty unique dude i i was supposed to meet him they wouldn't let us meet him so we got to sit outside when we were in the next office with this thin sliding wall so we can hear everything going in there and he comes in, and we had done a 20-foot comic book. Oh, wow. Um, it was a fold-out. It folded out <laughs> to 20 feet, but it was about six feet in height, and it folded out. And I had to do – it basically came out to about four pages, okay. and I drew them out. And then we blew them up, and then my our development team had to paint it up like a, a comic book, but it was actually a cell. And then for the PAs to resist us, we made a cutout character of uh captain planet at six feet six one my height and then uh, we put some stupid uh, one of our guys was like just an engineering genius yeah. he would go into to a, a drugstore get one of those hallmark cars that had blinking lights break the damn thing apart and then we have stars we can put on stuff so we brought this blinking light and we had a globe on his chest <laughs> put that behind him so he's standing there looking you know dopey yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it looked nothing like the captain planet you saw that's the other thing um, but when we wanted Ted, when he walked in, I, the plan was he's going to be completely surrounded by a living comic book. Yeah. He walked in, all we heard was, ah, shit, look at this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and we're, is that good? And he goes, yeah, I think he likes it. And, <laughs> and my boss was like, this is our idea for Captain Planet. And Mr. Mr. Turner and Tego sits at the table where this thing is and goes, um, uh, my boss was Andy Hayward, who was in charge of, uh, who was head of Deke, Deke Studios. And he goes, Andy, you can call me asshole <laughs> after that. <laughs> you don't call me Mr. Turning, call me asshole. And I, went, I think he likes us. <laughs> that's how we got Captain Planet. And that's from there, everything went downhill. But, um, but it's interesting how that was how we pitched shows then. Now it's like anybody and his mother can make a comic book. And if the studio likes or sees what they want, yeah. or see the end of that, then they will throw it in. And that comic is the Bible. In a lot of ways, just to get away from the doom and gloom I'm talking about, that's yeah. that's great that comics has stepped up and become has this sort of um, grandeur now. Yeah, I like the respect and the grandeur that comics has—that's something I never would have thought when I started in comics. Certainly not when I was a kid reading comics. We never thought we'd see this kind of respect, yeah. and now we see it. But now, but there's always a dark side to this stuff. So, 
yeah. Always comes in. Yeah. So I don't yeah. answer the question. I went all over the place with. No, oh, I, I love it. I mean, that's your experience, Chuck. And I think that is an, just an impressive <laughs> experience that you've had within this industry, and I, I think it holds a lot of weight. I, out of all the products that you did on the the animated side, yeah, what's the one that you're most proud of. Because you, you've done a lot. You've done a lot of different things, specifically yeah. on the animated side. I'm sure you did other things that I'm not aware of. But on the animated side, what's the one thing that you're like, that's like, if I could be remembered for anything that I did, this is the one thing I'd like to be remembered for. Well, it's obvious. I mean, I'm proud of the work I did on Spawn. Yeah, for um, sure. I'm very proud of that. Um, I wasn't. And that's the thing. We weren't even the first team. We were the second team. But that's. It's some controversy around that, but we let's say we came in when the ship was, there was a mutiny going on. So we had to come in and take over. And um, um, my director who brought me along, I remember the day he called and said, hey, I would like to work, work on something really good. Yeah. And I had spent enough time working on bad things. Like, what are you talking about? There is no such thing. <laughs> I already worked on Batman animated series. So I know, yeah, you're not offering me yeah. that. And he was like, no, we got something better. And he told me because I need your help. And we've now become very close friends. Um, we knew each other. We knew of each other. But uh, I always feel it was a privilege that he asked me to help him. Yeah. And, um, um, I never knew. Todd and I had danced around. We knew each other at conventions before all this when we were comic book guys. Yeah. And uh, I never spoke to him. I honestly wasn't even a fan. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I respect. I respect anybody that came into business at the time I did to get work, but yeah. was he someone I went on my way to read? No. Yeah. Um, or when I read it, it was just not my cup of tea. And then this thing came and I knew about where well, the live action movie had come out. Yeah. And this thing was the same thing I told Todd. I wasn't kissing him in the ass. I just said, honestly, the movie was a missed opportunity, huge mm -hmm. opportunity. And which kind of got me the job because I will always be, I became the guy who would tell him what he did want to hear. Yeah, yeah, but I did it in a way that it was out of respect, and it was a way of also saying, "Okay, if you're open to it, I will show you what I know." Yeah, yeah. He was open to it, and that's what made it. Um, we always seemed to have a, a good, cordial, straightforward conversation. Yeah, and um, um, I, again, a lot of respect, and that's all I'll put it. Yeah. But that, because of that, and the trust he gave us on Spawn to pick up the ball where it was and really make it. I felt like it really became the show everybody wanted by the second season. Yeah. That's wow. what was the, the Emmy. Yeah. yeah. So I'm wow. proud of that. Huge, huge uh, accomplishment because that, yeah, all the animated series, that probably had the biggest impact on me because that would have been what, 90, is it 90? 99, 98, 99. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. It's just, the 90s, I, I was joking with the same friend going, God, I wish we could make the money we made in the 90s. You know? <laughs> we, were, we were rolling. It seemed like you, you were falling over jobs. Um, yeah. That one, because there's that thumb up again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, somebody likes us. Um, <laughs> and that wasn't even the only, I mean, I'm lucky to say there's a couple of things that I'm very proud of. Yeah. Um, proud of that. Very proud of um, uh Mutant uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was one that I never thought I'd be involved in. Yeah, yeah. Another property where I'm like, you know, I'm not his first fan. Yeah. I understood it. It's not hard to understand, really. Yeah. Um, that's why I respect it. I, I, I thought it was great. 
yeah. I just wasn't a fan of it. Yeah. And then um, how I got it was literally, I want to say last man standing. Um, he went through a lot. They went through so much. I would say two years of trying to get it off the ground. Wow. And everybody who came in wanted to basically reinvent the wheel. Yeah. This is where I kind of learned how to, that was another analogy of mine, reinvent the wheel. We know the wheel goes round. Yeah. That's how a wheel works. But every jackass wants to come in and go, I'm going to make a square. <laughs> it's a round <laughs> wheel, man. Just follow it. Just, just honestly, read the freaking instructions. That's all I <laughs> You keep making squares and that's why you're not going anywhere, man. Yeah, yeah. Just just <laughs> read the instructions and bring some genuine just be genuine towards it and it's gonna do what it did. That's all I did with Turtles. Yeah. I saw what they did when they brought me in. It's bad enough when they called me to come in on that job. Yeah. It was literally midnight LA time, which meant like two or three in the morning New York time. Oh wow. That's how much they were desperate to try to replace people. And people they had on it had jumped off or they were wasting time. They wasted, to my mind, two years of development. I had less than six weeks <laughs> to put it together. <laughs> so, but again, the thing I learned from the time of being at Deke and doing shows and putting a lot of shows together was you have a vision, you follow it. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you believe in that vision enough and if you keep it genuine to what the source is, you won't have a problem. Yeah. You have the problem of putting the show together, but you're not guessing like, oh, should we put wings on it? Should we do this now? I mean, there are a couple of times on that show where I would throw out, and and at the time, I remember being accused of, man, maybe he's coming off too weird. And went, no, I threw these things out so you wouldn't throw those out. I know they weren't going to work. Yeah. But I knew if I threw them out, we'd get the crap out of the way. And then I can tell you where I'm going. Mm. Or I can get from you what I needed to get that I couldn't get before. Yeah. Getting answers from people is very difficult. So I've learned how to kind of play a little game of, you know, <laughs> Be devil's advocate. Say the stupid thing so that they wouldn't say the stupid thing and you're stuck with it. Yeah. And, and then, you know, and when I won, it was like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and that's how Turtles went. I mean, I came in. Like I, knew, I knew they had two years of development. I saw the Bible. I talked to the the, the, the producer was the head writer and he and I, Joe. Yeah. And uh, the only worst part about it was I had to fly to New York to do the show. Okay. which was the same where 90% of, of animation is done here. All the talent I needed was there. I could got them on a call. I could have got them on a drop of, of, I mean, easily. And I had to go to New York and basically train people. Yeah. And that was tough. But I saw the artwork and it was encouraging and also discouraging because they had a table about six, I always exaggerated, but it was definitely a six foot, eight foot table. Uh -huh. of artwork different styles because they couldn't decide on the style and <laughs> just follow the damn comic book yeah yeah and even with following the comic book i knew the style that the comic was now you can pull it off but at the time i thought that wasn't the direction for an action adventure show okay and i used the live action movie as my guide yeah on how to make this work because it was more constructed better better it was better constructed um uh and the template was there so it was like, okay, let's use that. And that's where we're going to go with the art. And we're going to bring stuff, elements from the comic book into this. Because the other thing is, that style in the comic, you really couldn't animate it. Yeah. Warner Brothers had tried a year before and did a dummy animatic storyboard, which mm -hmm. I saw. And I went, okay, the problem I'm seeing is that none of this is moving. And whoever talked to you into this tried to tell you it's anime, but nothing's moving. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing I wanted to change is I really wanted this 
to pay more attention to what we saw coming out of Batman the animated series. Yeah. Action with mood and drama. And so I wanted to put that into Turtles, which we've never seen before. That was the edict that was given to make it closer to the comics. So I'm lucky. If they said, making those Kawabunga fun guys, I've been screwed. Because I hate yeah. that shit. <laughs> I really wasn't great. I'm not a fan of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, no, make it dark. And I go, okay. And I remember you saying this, and then I became the running kind of quote for the show for our first season was, we're going to Sunny Chiba the shit out of this. <laughs> Which meant she teaching some people who Sonny Chiba was. I'm an old Japanese film samurai fan. I mean, I know more of that, that than anime. And wow. so Sonny Chiba, Tamasaburo Wakayama, Shintaro Katsu, these guys were like, that, that's my guys, you know? So I'm like, yeah, we're going to put stuff like that in there. <laughs> and then, oh, let's go Shaw Brothers. Let's switch and go Shaw Brothers. Five deadly battles. Let's do that. You know? And then we got this excitement because it was like, wow, the other guys didn't think of that they're waiting for the script to tell me yeah, yeah. and i don't like waiting for the script to tell me mm. if i know where we should go yeah, yeah i want the script to ride with me i want the script to reflect that if the script does tell me what i don't want to don't know absolutely great that's what it's supposed to do but if it isn't it's still trying to find itself or it's one of those scripts where it's just da 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 and we're again action yeah. yeah, I'm not listening to you. I'm going to go off this way. <laughs> Sonny Chiba the fuck out of this. Yeah, Which, yeah. Um, sometimes I would throw a little bomb out of him. goes, okay, we're going to go. We're going to um, we're gonna go. Uh, oh, fuck. Now I can't think of his name. Because Sonny Chiba was really like, that's classic. Yeah. But uh, uh, Shokasigi. That's it. We're going to Shokasigi this. Because everybody knew about the Ninja movies. I was like, yeah, yeah. Those aren't the real thing. But, hey, not <laughs> but, um, but that was fun because... It was Dave definitely a Frankenstein moment of we just took everything that did work and make it work. And everyone's like, oh my God, it's genius. It's like, well, we followed the instructions. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had to make the instructions, but we followed them. <laughs> we followed them, yeah, yeah. And I and I always shock people saying, Yeah, we crammed in two seasons in one season. Yeah. I mean, we did two seasons worth of work in one season. Wow. Which was a lot, which kind of burnt me out too. And a lot of that, I think, really was because I was with a studio that was, has eyes were bigger than their, their, than, than their common sense. Yeah. And they were feeling kind of high that, hey, look, we're doing something that LA does all the time. Look at us. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't get it how hard this has been to find the people to do that, to put it on a schedule on a level with overseas on the money you're asking for yeah. to compete with LA shows. And then the most, I thought the most insulting injury was we did this incredible show. It looks sharp. I had people from LA going, God damn it, man, how'd you do it? And I kept going, just follow the instructions, round, <laughs> you know, da, da, da. And then it bothered me that, okay, if LA is paying attention, we should really go out and compete. We should be putting these shows up for Emmys. Not once did they do that. Really? They didn't. They didn't. It's like they didn't have the courage of their convictions. Really? And that was so that. Believe in it? They believed in as far as the money went. They were, I mean, the amount of money. Remember, these guys also bought their own network. Yeah. They bought the Fox box to create this thing. Yeah. And I thought, great. I, I love the idea of it. The idea of what they sold me made me feel like I was at the beginning of a new thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is like, okay, we're taking advantage of, of syndication. This is almost going into like that weird word called streaming, you know, because this is our whole thing. And then I saw them just pissing away with crap you know 
they were known for taking things like Yu-Gi-Oh and and Pokemon and which made them a lot of money. But yeah. all they did was redub it and recut it. Mm. And they got in their heads they were creators. I'm like, no, yeah. you're just packaging. Yeah. You're not really creating a show. Turtles was created from scratch. Yeah. Bottom just, up, right? Yeah. Bottom up. We followed, um, we had Peter Lair on us all the time because he was the sole creator on the show by that point. And it was all through his vision, which again, I totally respect. This is what he, this is what he saw. This is what we gave. And um, my feeling was great. Okay, now you're opening up to coming in with new properties. Mm. And the best thing they can come up with was the crash test dummies. And I thought, these guys, yeah. I don't see the vision here. No. I don't see it going, you know, maybe, they, and they did, they got five years out of it, but it was five years of the turtles doing the turtles over and over again. Yeah, yeah. On paper, that would have been great. For me, I was bored. Yeah. More than bored, I was burnt out. I was tired of fighting the politics of, hey, why do you want to change this? You got to show this a hit yeah. in a style that the studio can do. Right. Although it's tough, it was hard for them, but they maintained the quality. That's very important. And then you're going to come to them and say, let's change the look of the show. Not to something that works, but something even stupider. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm fighting a fight with people that, that, you know, again, the round wheel. <laughs> and you're trying to make it a triangle. And I don't, I know things. So I was there for a year and a half and yeah. I was out. Yeah. And, um, but the show stayed the way I envisioned it to a certain degree. Yeah. And I'm proud of that. Not how it ended, but I liked how it started. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad because everybody who tells me now, even with the new turtle stuff, I hear them go, oh, we got it different. It's a little faster. And I go, it's just the same thing we did in 2003, man. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't have gotten there if we didn't do this in 2003. Right, right, yeah. You didn't know what Sonny Cheaper the fuck out of this was. You, yeah. you know, <laughs> some of them don't even know who Sonny Cheaper is. So, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, I'm proud of what I see them doing. I'm glad because when we were doing it, nobody thought the turtles could have that kind of gravitas. Right. Yeah. Nobody thought, wow, you can actually have this movie, this show, borderline on really hard action, did some crazy things. One of the craziest things we did was we knew we were going to kill the shredder on, on screen. Yeah. For an action adventure show for kids. Yeah. That, that's not cool. I mean, BBS, BS and P. Uh, broadcast standards and practices they were always on us and we always, <laughs> we knew we had a swerve we were we were just playing it was almost like playing playing um texas hold'em and so <laughs> all you guys joker cards and all of a sudden you start slapping down aces yeah yeah they were like well you're gonna have him killed you even had it here his head's gonna be chopped off and his body's gonna fall over slow you really just he goes yeah we're gonna milk the hell out of it well why <laughs> why you can't do that because why not he's not dead what do you mean he's not dead he's not dead yeah. Why you, now you got their attention and they're like, yeah. well, because he's a robot. What? <laughs> well, here's the thing. He's there. Yeah. He's not there. And then yeah. that's what we told him. Shredder's neutron. He's in the belly. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh. And <laughs> many kids are going to freak out when they realize, oh, shit, he's not dead. <laughs> he's coming back. Yeah. And they went, okay, thank you. You can do it. <laughs> That was our first big win. And we did. We did the head chop scene. We did the head fall over. The turtles are. We played it very solemn. They get away. And you see the body stands up without the head. Picks up yeah. the head. That's the payoff. Yeah, yeah. Kids are smarter than you give them credit. They're going to love this. They're going to know that there's something weird here. Yeah, yeah. Them, 
but we made it novel that here's the thing I've always learned. You always leave them wanting to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the greatest thing any writer or artist can do when you produce something like that, do a show, is to always have your audience look at you and go, and then what happened? Yeah. Because you got them hooked. And that's what we did on Turtles, and I was very proud of that. That's awesome. That's that awesome. was fun. That was, And I enjoyed that because we, I mean, we, again, every show is a push and pull. Yeah. I've never had a show that's gone so smoothly. Mm-hmm. Always something, but... When you're in the groove and everybody, we started trusting each other. BP, BS, BP, broadcast standards started trusting us. And that when we do something, we, we, what they want to make sure is that it wasn't gratuitous. They want to make sure that we're just getting our jollies off. There was also a, 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 a way, we had a thought behind everything we did. Yeah. There was always a reason for what we did. And it was a good reason. It was good storytelling reason. It was a good showmanship. Right. And um, they started trusting us. Playmates, the toy company, I've worked with three major toy companies. They were the most fun to work with yeah, because they got the hell out of our way yeah. and they were open to everything we did. And they were so gracious to say, hey, could you scoot this toy in? Well, man, we just have in the background. Okay, we don't care. And, it was like, and then they started going through my trash and finding the dumbest ideas and going, hey, we're going to make this into a toy. You like yeah. to on the show. We're just going to put on, because we don't care. Content. Yeah. And that was the first time I heard about content. Yeah. yeah. It would make toys on anything yeah. because they knew as long as they had the turtle name on it, they're going to sell it. Yeah. They're cool. Yeah. And they were back me on the stupid. Sometimes they come with some goofy shit. Yeah. You know? um, the character Han was this living weapon. Mm. And they were like, Han needs a weapon. I go, why? He's a weapon himself. Look at this guy. He's like the size of the Hulk. He has no neck. <laughs> and yeah. they were back and forth. He goes, come on, check. give him something. So I go, okay, I'll give him something. <laughs> How about he has an armor? Because um, it's street level. He's going to take a bumper of a car and make it into an arm shield. <laughs> awesome, we can make that into a toy. You can shoot things. And go, we're not going to have a shooting, okay? <laughs> we're just going to give you that. Okay, we love it. And they left me alone. And I went, as long as I give them something, they're happy. Yeah. They, and they were cool. They loved the show. They supported us. They gave us so much swag. Yeah. I've never had so much free toys, even <laughs> when I was working for uh, Hasbro. Yeah. Um, that they just, here, you guys, you earned it. And Christmas time for the artists was like, they just were like 10 year olds again. They're getting all the turtle toys. I wound up getting from Peter a statue, I still have it, of Leonardo. Because oh. everyone's saying, who's your favorite turtle? And I went, well, you know, the first one we actually designed was Raph. Really? Yeah, because for me, for us to do this new turtles, you know, we're going from piece of look, look, uh, piece of loving lunkheads. <laughs> I want a, a, a leaner, meaner, yeah. visit the visage of the turtles. And I went, okay, if we don't get Raph, we got nobody. The leader, right? Wolverine of the group. Yeah. So we knew that going in, he's going to be the, the mad dog, the lone wolf. So I got this attitude I wanted, and we played it out. And then I came up with the rules of, okay, the tougher brothers have the Batman isolates. Mm. The softer brothers, the goofier brothers have the rounded eyes. So when you watch the show, you'll know, even though we we had the whole different color, I think he wanted us to change a little pigmentation here and there. Yeah. All good. It all worked out. But I still wanted something physical. I wanted this to always be, because they've never been physical before. Yeah. I mean, they've done their stuff, but we're always we. I mean, standards and practice used to always, you can't hit nothing, you can't hit him, you can't hit that. 
I always played off the same rule we use in G.I. Joe where you hit something that will hit somebody. Yeah. And if we did do any punching, by that point, I've softened them up enough to let us get away with that. Yeah, yeah. We did, but I still wanted you to look at these guys in silhouette. You can tell each turtle. So Raph had to sell us, and Raph sold it for yeah. us. When I got Raph, then it was easy. Actually, I think we went to Mikey next because we wanted extremes. Yeah. So I did the initial drawings of them. So Mikey was definitely, I was looking at Jackie Chan uh, and um, how Jackie would do the monkey thing. And Mikey and I, in his silhouette, I made sure that his tongue was sticking out. <laughs> it's having fun so you knew okay yeah. Raph, Mikey um, then definitely Leo because yeah. Leo was you know and that's when I said to and I would tell this to my crew because uh -huh. that's what you do when you work with these things it's not all in my head they have to know this Yeah, yeah. bring their best it's like okay we know ninjas are known as spies and you know in literature they're spies but they also have to be the toughest MFs out there and often to be a tough MS in that society, you had to be a samurai anyway. Yeah, yeah. So even though Leo was a ninja, he was the samurai of ninjas. Mm -hmm. So he had to have that Toshiro Mofuni kind of stoicism and, and the, that badass look about him. And so <laughs> I relate to that. Yeah. And that's when I got the statue and I was like, well, who's your favorite turtle? And I goes, well, the one that I, re I can relate to the closest is Leo. Yeah. The one that I feel in my heart is rap. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then the joke of jokes is this is even before the last Ronin book. We all knew Mikey was the toughest. Yeah, yeah. Because, to, and again, I thank Jackie Chan because to be that goofy, to be that resilient, you've got to be kind of flexible. Yeah. And that's what we played on the show, that he was this, you can basically throw him around. He just keeps coming at you. He doesn't even know how he's coming at you. Yeah. In fact, he isn't taking it seriously, and that's his power. Right. And, we knew that doing the show yeah. and there was times I would sit back as my crew and I were really tight and we would go out after working a full day and just relax and talk about shit. And I told them that, you know, guys, you got a unique moment here on yeah. shows. I've worked on one of other shows. I've worked on, you know, from Roman shows, Spawn. Yeah. We had that kind of camaraderie in Spawn among the directors. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. because it was such a problematic show mm. um, with the artists, it was, there's some artists you're close to and some you just want to get the job from. Yeah. I didn't like that, but that was fun. But on Turtles, I went, you guys, if I die, and this is a tough thing to say, because if I die tomorrow, this show is in great hands. You guys know what I'm talking about. You can pick yeah. up. And they did. Yeah. Every one of them I could trust to do what I needed them to do. And they understood the show. They knew the influences. They were watching the movies. They were doing, you know, when I tell them something, they'll go find what reference I'm talking about. One guy knew as much as I did. One was really more into anime and I went, okay, I want you to put those sensibilities in there. Yeah. I was always pulling him back because he wanted to go all out there, foodie coolie. I'm like, no, this is not foodie We're not doing it. Yeah. Um, we got to stay this way because we're introducing this. It's different if we were allowed total freedom to just rechange this. Yeah. But then it wouldn't have been Turtles. Yeah. So I was, always had to rein him in, but I needed his wildness to get yeah. us out there. Yeah. And I was saying to him, again, guys, this is so unique because when you create a show, it's very rarely everybody is on the same page. You yeah. guys are a team. Yeah. You know? 
we got known around the bars as the turtles. <laughs> so that's how tight we were. It was kind of it was kind of scary and hilarious at the same time. <laughs> Door is open. Let's say that. Door is open. Yeah. And people who I mean, we even had some rapper guy trying to talk. He didn't know who I was, so he was trying to steal the team away, and they're cracking up and they're like, the boss is right here. We do think he's a bodyguard. <laughs> you know, it's hilarious. And uh that's a story we all every once in a while we get together on Zoom and talk about it. And they love that moment. But Again, what I was proud is that these guys got what I was talking about. They became a true team. Um, you, you hear stories like this on shows like uh, Batman and Animated Series. Mm-hmm. Great shows that, you know, how is that? Because they were, everybody was on page. Everybody got what we were doing. Right, yeah. So I'm very proud of that, but obviously. <laughs> so that was, it's like the lessons I learned from one I took to the next. And then the next one from there is the Dead Space Downfall movie. Mm. Between comic books and kind of maneuvering within that world to get things done, and then on the Hollywood side, are there a lot of similarities? Oh, yeah. Totally. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to deal with writers if I didn't work in comics. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, I I could talk to a writer on a story level that often more than they could and mm-hmm. i'm talking about the standard animation writer not not the best writers the best writers you're not it's not adversarial it's a collaboration that's what you want but yeah. when you have writers who weren't who just dialing it in i was grateful i'm grateful that i had the training in comics to say that's bullshit yeah or yeah. missing the b story where's your b story where's your c story um i would insist that on some of my shows yeah. And it shook them up. If we couldn't make them better, it certainly made them know you can't just turn crap in. They're going to do that anyway. But yeah. I want them to know that, look, one of us is taking this seriously. And I know your tricks. Yeah. And I may couldn't fix. And also, if I'm going to be working with the actors, guess what? I need to fuck with your dialogue, too. Yeah. <laughs> Some writers are like, oh, you all got to be there to rewrite it. Goes, yeah. Well, you know what? You're on a stage where we have maybe for lucky three hours to get this done. Yeah. You got to think faster and be on target because nine out of ten, I'm going to trust the actor to improv it, right? right yeah. Because if they know the character, it's a breeze. And I've worked on a lot of shows where my actors saved the show because they brought something in that wasn't in the writing. Yeah, yeah. Not to put down the writers when there's great writers, it's a breeze too. Yeah. yeah. Um, with Turtles again, um, Lloyd um, Kaufman was the main, the head writer, and um, uh, head exec on the show and he dealt directly with Peter and um, between Lloyd and I planning how to approach it and then him going to Peter and working out the bugs we got some good scripts we had some bad ones too it's, it's hot, kind of hard not to Yeah, yeah. With a bad script, the only thing we can save it is by action improving some of the stuff in there yeah. uh, to make up for whatever is going wrong and yeah. when you have a show that, in this case, was 26 episodes, you're going to have some clunkers. <laughs> it's just the way it works. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Had, yeah, and I had 52. <laughs> so, you know, um, and we had like two or three three-parters. That was a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. But again, your question, if I didn't have the training in comics, if I didn't have a guy like Lynn Lee when I came into comics, uh, now I can switch and talk to comics stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. Talking a lot about um, interpreting scripts yeah. and how to approach a story, 
what to put in, you know, when there was many times at the beginning, I felt lost because mm. this was my first time. I didn't know. And here was Len as the editor saying, what would you do? If I said, do it, what would you do? He's the only editor I ever had, ever had do that. Well, Marv would do that too. And it, all of a sudden a light would go off. Now I'm involved. Now I'm engaged. Well, can I try this? Well, try it. See what happens. You know? And sometimes it works. Sometimes you found you draw something and the writer would write something. You know, I always remember there's one scene where I have Aquaman running on an obviously midnight shoreline with the moon poking over the, the clouds and the writer decided to put it's a morning and it's morning and the sun is poking out the colorist and everybody else approached this as a night scene <laughs> united as i have no idea i knew we we're downhill from there so, yeah. <laughs> but you know because i and then i learned from the other the old guys who um kind of took me under their wing like a don heck yeah. um i bless him a lot for showing me a lot of the stuff and of course, Dick Giordano, who brought me into the business. Um, Don would show, tell me exactly how it worked at Marvel. So I knew the secret of, okay, who actually wrote the scripts, who did what um, from him, because he was one of the premier arc, him, Kirby, and yeah. I'm sure I'm missing other names. Uh, definitely Don and Kirby. Mm -hmm. Later, we um, yeah. when they got scripts from Sand. Uh, oh, Dicko, especially Dicko. Um, Stan would give them just an outline and they would just draw and come yeah. up with the story. And they were writing the margins what they were doing or what they wanted to see happen. Yeah. And then Stan would either take it or ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and But it wasn't like, oh, he wrote the script out and this is exactly, no. Um, and so I started taking liberties. And when I found it, it got an animation, I, the method of taking those notes, making those notes for myself, in the margins of the scripts helped me really understand the script. And I would go back and talk to the writers, of course. But again, just stepping up. I and that's what I told my artists is I call it take it off the page. Mm. Tell me how you visualize it. Yeah. What point of view? Now you're the director. You shouldn't just be sitting here just drawing if he says, walks in the door, sits down at the table, starts to eat. There's a lot of shit that can happen in here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your camera gotta be a certain place. Why is that camera there? Ask yourself. Don't put a camera because it's cool. And I had done it, so I knew I was, <laughs> I knew the error of that. Put it there because you mean it. Yeah. To do and um, again, I if I didn't have my training in comics, I don't think I would have came to the doorway. <laughs> and that was I I will always be I feel so grateful that I was able to walk those two mm. steps. I was able to be in both worlds. Yeah. One has helped me a lot more than the other. Yeah. I actually synonymous. I mean I Personally, I, I'm seeing more of, uh, I'm leaning to my comic roots because like I've said at the beginning, I think we're off mic, but I said, you don't do comics unless you love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, be a true passion, right? And when it all comes down to it, I'm not an animator. I yeah. may have done film here and there. Not, well, if you want to call it film, but I am in my heart and always will be a comic artist. Yeah, yeah. Or as I call it, honestly, I'm a storyteller. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. So yeah. comics taught me to be a storyteller. I took that ability and refined it in animation. Yeah, yeah. You still love to draw? Oh, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you saw me at the show. I mean, I I'm, I'm going behind the scenes. I mean, um, 
And that came because my artists all probably need to go back into it. Some of the guys who worked with me were fans. I didn't know that until later. This guy, I had, you know, I grew up on your comic, oh, geez. Or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, and they're three times better than I am, most of these guys. And they were kind of like, why aren't you at these shows? Why don't you do this? And I'm like, ah. And he goes, no, you really should go to these shows. One artist in particular, Jez, Browbeak, sometimes, can you give me a sketch? I just want a sketch, just for my yeah. own sake. And then I found that, uh, wait a minute, I found something I lost, which was my love of comics, my yeah. love of these characters. So, yeah, I draw. What caused, uh, what caused that love to be lost, Chuck? Again? What caused you to lose that love for comics? Oh, uh, God, everything I just told you didn't scare you enough? That should do yeah, it. Yeah. So that, that was funny. I just didn't know if that I was. No, that's a very good question, man. Yeah. That's a very, a lot of people never ask me that directly. And Again, in my effort to stay real, because yeah. that keeps things alive for me. Um, I lost a passion. I, I I came into the business and I was trying so hard to fit in yeah. that I forgot to just be me. Mm. So there were some books that I thought we, we brought up Flash and things like that. I did a lot of fill-in books. Yeah. Even though I was given justice, I had to wait for Don to be done with it. And right. they wanted me on the clock, which was great. Never, I would never complain about that. Yeah. But it was hard because I couldn't get a feeling of each thing I was doing. Right. I was doing the creeper. I loved the creeper. I loved the creeper. I loved the way Deco drew him. I wanted to draw like that. And then I got these scripts that were nothing like when Deco was writing. <laughs> no continuity that I understood. I didn't. Frankly, I didn't like them. I didn't like the stories. And yeah. but I knew as a professional, I need to make this work. Yeah. So I'm not bitching. I'm just saying what kind of whittled it down. Yeah, and yeah. So I did a lot of fill-in stuff. Some were good, some were bad. Yeah. Um, the best thing is it kept me going. And I knew somewhere in there that, okay, this is all learning. Yeah. So whatever I'm doing here, maybe I can make up for it later when I get the book. And then when I got the book, and this is where it really got weird. I got the book I always wanted. Yeah. I grew up reading Justice League since I was in Tomlin. Yeah. I knew all that this was my, I was a DC guy too. Yeah. So um, I get the book and then all the things that used to make it solid started falling apart. Mm. The regular writer wanted off the book. Mm. Uh, DC is going to take out all the major characters. Yeah. All of a sudden the book I wanted to draw wasn't going to be the book I wanted to draw anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm asked to flex muscles I didn't know I had. Because now I'm not, I, I, I would joke the dick. I wouldn't joke. He, I, he Actually, he'd joke, and I would go, no, I want to come back to the class. Because I started with him in the class. Because uh, I want to come back to class, because there's some things I don't understand. He's like, no, you got to learn out there. And it was <laughs> scary, because it was like, oh, shit, who do I talk to? So I was kind of on my own, and I think I lost some, um, I certainly did start losing some faith. Yeah. And then when I get, I, I would pop up and do something and be happy with it, and then I would switch on something else. So I was on musical books for a while. Um, for five minutes, I thought I was going to be a regular artist on Titans. Yeah. Smart, he gave me. I had a lot of fun on that book. Uh, I love that book. Um, made me go back and really delve into looking at George and seeing how he worked. Yeah. And I wanted to do that. And then um, that was given to someone else. Then I was given Vigilante. That was given to someone. Mm. So, oh, I had to share it with other people. So I never really got a sense of me. And that just made me feel, I started, you know, it's something I I tell a lot of young artists, you know, don't do what I did. <laughs> you know? 
the bottom line, what I forgot was I was working. The fanboy in me was getting brokenhearted thinking I wasn't good enough because I wasn't on I didn't have a book. No one was coming to me and saying, I had one offer from Lynn. This is early, early, early um, and on Justice League where he says, we're going to do a new flash and I want you to do it with me. Mm. I would want, I've been wanting to hear somebody say that. You know, kid, let's create something new. And he didn't want him to be a running flash. He was going to be a flying flash. So we had this, he had this plan all what to do. And I was getting kind of excited, like, holy shit, okay. Yeah. You know, I grew up on the flash, so it was kind of hard for me to get my head out of it. But Barry, Barry Allen was gonna die. So and everybody and 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 the fans wanted Wally, but Lynn had talked DC and let's take it, let's go completely original. So we wanted to do a different flash that was gonna be a little more mature, um, a little more um more of a rookie. Mm. The guy who becomes a superhero, you know, Wally's been a superhero since he was 12, 14, he was Kid Flash. Right. The guy who gets shit thrown on him and he's like, oh shit. It's almost like an adult Spider Man. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> and then he's just going to wind up, he's going to be called Flash while he doesn't even know what Flash is. Right, so right. We were trying to, we were just in discussions of what his power is going to be. And then all of a sudden, it just got shut off. And we're going to go with Wally, we're going to go with this. And I want you to stay on Justice League. Because I was really excited. It's like, oh, I can put my stamp on it. I never felt like I got to the confidence of putting my own stamp on something. Right. Um, I wanted to really badly on Justice League. But again, that was the other thing, too. I had revolving inkers. Yeah. I had revolving writers. Um, and then when Jerry came back and we came up with Detroit, it was jarring, believe yeah. it or not. Because I... What I thought we were going to come with, I knew he wanted to go a youthful group, a more like X Men. That's the big book, big book that was selling, and Titans was selling. So yeah. I knew he wanted to do it younger. It's just that the type of guys we wanted to do became more formula than I wanted it to be. Mm. But I went along with it because what the hell did I know? I was learning. Yeah. And then when I got into it, I realized I don't even like this. So that's why I only put in a year on the book and. Um, and again, bless Marv, he put me on Titans. And I think people just got in their head that, well, he hasn't, I don't even know what they got in their heads. Yeah, yeah. No one talked to me about that directly. And then I went over to Marvel and tried that and um, got a lot of nibbles. I think the one offer I got was they wanted me to try out for Hulk, but yeah. they wanted me to stay in Todd's style. And honestly, I never liked Todd's style, so I wasn't going to try to emulate it. Yeah. And I turned him down. And didn't stop me getting work, but it stopped me from being considered for yeah. something. I mean, I didn't get a lot of offers. Yeah. And um, by that time, I realized a certain amount of years ago, by six years, and uh, I s moved out to Cal. I had moved out to LA, mm -hmm. and uh, another friend was working in animation, and we kept hearing about. And hearing all these guys that you've heard of in comments who now work in animation, you knew you were in trouble. You knew it was something big when you heard Gil Kane and and Jack Kirby were in the same studio yeah. doing development stuff for yeah. what worked with Ruby Spears. And when you saw the checks, you went, "Holy shit, it's a real job!" Yeah. You know, and benefits. And you know, later on, not a bit. It's funny. There's a whole different division of that. But then I digressed. But still, it's better than what we got out of comics. Yeah, yeah. And the promise of long-term work. That's always hard. You know, comics was like, you know, I mean, I was doing, when I started the equivalent of two books a month, 
but it was burning me out. So when I got down to doing one book a month, it was still trying to make it work on those deadlines. Yeah. Sometimes the scripts would be late. Sometimes it would be partial. Sometimes I was really struggling trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Yeah. So here is animation. We're here. Draw this table, and we're still going to pay you once a week. Yeah. Draw this table for this scene. Draw this scene for this stuff. And it was mundane, but man, it was pain. Yeah, yeah. The most important thing I realized was missing for me was I was around other artists. Mm. All the time I was in comics, I was on my own. Or I had a roommate, but we shared uh, a place, but we didn't share the same type of work. I mean, he was more into, and later got into more uh, Vertigo. He was a Swamp Thing artist. I'm here doing superhero stuff. Yeah. So, but um, I didn't feel this camaraderie, mm. this, you know, commonplace for me. And then I get an animation, it's like, wow, you know? I'm sharing it with guys who've done comic strips. I'm done guys who used to work in comics are now doing this. Right, right. And I'm seeing this thing put together. I didn't like animation. I yeah. didn't like the animation that we were doing in the US. Yeah. That's when I got into Japanese animation. And holy shit, there's possible. They're telling stories here. They're going yeah. cinematic here. Why aren't we doing that? <laughs> <laughs> so I had to put 10 years into that to see why, but still. It, it opened up a new door where I felt like I was um, honestly appreciated. Yeah. And um, when I was in comics, I it broke my heart. It was like a sweetheart you got and it didn't work out. Yeah. But the joke was is that it never left me. Yeah. Because yeah. when I was brought into Deke, they specifically brought me in because they went, oh, you worked on comic books. You know all these things. Comics is getting hot right now. Yeah. <laughs> going now right? No, no, you know, you can tell us what's just wrong, what's just right. And that's what they right. brought me in. So I'm like, God, I can't get away from comics. <laughs> and I'm glad. I'm very glad. <laughs> like, when creating Captain Planet was so funny because I later, years later, I told him, you know, I stole the idea from two very important sources. And my boss said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, it wasn't like it was the most original idea, but yeah. the character was called Captain Planet. Yeah. And they want them to be made up of these five kids. And it goes, okay, what superhero do we know is associated with children? He didn't know. And he goes, okay, I'll flip the cards over for you. Captain Marvel. Oh, man. Shazam. Shazam, yeah. That's Shazam what was, was my model for Captain Planet. Because they were going on about all this shit. And I'm sitting yeah. there wearing... <laughs> They want to, let's use Gaia. Let's use Greek mythology. I, I've been in... I, read a lot of mythology and shit so i threw all that stuff in there yeah. and these guys thought that was brilliant i'm like i'm just i'm just plumbing my comic book youth here and for the person who didn't want a superhero we're giving her a superhero the right. hardest part came when we got to the visual because i originally done the character looking like Robocop, believe yeah. it or not. and that's that wasn't gonna go no, and no. she wanted she was really new age so yeah. she wanted something that was gonna be sensuous and this and i'm sitting there <laughs> You know, and she wanted his hair, and he's got to have this body, but he can't look like a bodybuilder. He's got like a swimmer. And it's something when, Chuck, what character you know? Yeah. Fits this bubble. Just lose the hair. Who do you think of? And I thought of Pasima's Silver Surfer. Oh. So Captain Marvel and Silver Surfer are the real godparents of Captain Planet. That's awesome, man. And I talked to her and said, okay, maybe he's got a body of crystal. New Agers love crystal. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. So he's kind of sensuous. He moves with the, because his his powers are the the four elements. The, uh, how many elements? There's five elements. 
the four elements is fire, wind, water. You know? And we tried that. That looks silly. So I went, yeah. So what happens? Is all kind, of, and then what comes out is crystal. And she went, oh, that's brilliant. And I'm inside dying. Like, you actually pulled it off. So we got to the issue of the hair. So uh, first we tried it with dirt. That got silly. It looked like he had mud hanging off his head. <laughs> <laughs> By then, they brought in Neil Adams to do the final design. I'm not getting in the way of Neil. Yeah. Neil's a guy. Neil comes up with the costume, but he's still having a problem with the hair. And it, and she's dealing with it now. Now she sees him as he's a dressed, you know, silver surfer. She still yeah. doesn't know the silver surfer. <laughs> no. and, but, but the hair is a problem. And I remember it's going out for the final design and they're having a problem. So they throw it back on my desk, goes, do something with the hair. And I'm looking at it. And by this point, I've gotten somewhat kind of cynical. <laughs> so I'm looking at the hair and go, Hey, what's really hot right now in fashions? Mullets. <laughs> so that's why Captain Planet has a mullet. I oh, gave him awesome. a mullet. They thought it was brilliant. I'm laughing all the way to the bank. So <laughs> now you know where Captain Planet came from. <laughs> and now everybody out there, and as we used to say on G.I. Joe, and now no one is half the battle. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was that was my fun part. I, I thought I remember coming home and telling a friend of mine we have dinner. Believe, he, he just loved hearing all this shit. <laughs> he was a TV writer who was mostly into um, comedy, and here I am doing animation. And he knew me some comics because we both met at this comic book store we hung out there. So oh. we just said, and it was me, it was like worse lessons. I would come in and tell him the crap I had to do that day. When I was telling him the Captain Planet story, he was dying. Like, wow, <laughs> wow. And they pay you money? And was, yeah. They pay me more than those guys doing the comics now. And I was like, wow, cool. Yeah. But again, in my heart of hearts, I had never left me. I always loved comics. So when I got pushed by my artists to do some sketches for them, and then I got pushed by another friend to go to, I mean, I stopped going to San Diego 10 years prior. Yeah. A long time. Yeah. Because yeah. it just stopped being fun for me. Yeah. And I wasn't recognized or even acknowledged by the people at DC. Yeah. And I thought, okay, that's cool. I don't need that now. Um, by that time, I had my first nomination. So, yeah. yeah. Even though it was a show that I thought was god awful, yeah. you know, like I tell people, Emmy may not open doors, but it definitely ends arguments. Yo, and, yes, absolutely. Um, sometimes it opens doors, but it definitely ends arguments. So I just realized, okay, you know what? DC is going to be DC. Yeah. And I got my books, and I'm still going to be associated. Whatever my history is, is going to be shoved under the table. You know, I had people tell me they didn't know I was black. You know, <laughs> crack me up. You know, it's like I, I never played on that shit. I never, you know, not to knock it, but it's just that I, my work was what I want my work to speak for me. Yeah, yeah. I threw it out that I was a black this or a black that because I don't think that would have helped. Yeah. Um, I it it wasn't respectful of who I was and what I came from. Yeah. You know, black or not, I'm an artist, and if I'm a black artist, then I have to still stand up and be competitive to everybody. So uh, I never played on that. So it's funny when people are like, "I didn't know, I didn't know," and then I'm doing animation, same thing, you know. But uh, but it got funny where people are like, "Oh my God, you're the same guy. You did this. You did that." And I couldn't put my nose up on it. I had to go, you know, again, comics opened the doors for me on this. Yeah. On there. And animation has been really good. Um, when I have had, you know, uh, 
the opportunity to do things. Yeah. I enjoyed them. Uh, I've had some horror stories, which I won't go in. A lot yeah. of horror stories. Every job has that. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. I love, I mean, I, I'm enjoying, I'm now letting myself draw the things that I told myself I could draw because I'm, it, it, put it this way, I'm having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Fun for me to draw. It's fun to even go back and discover a uh, vibe. Yeah, yeah, vibe. I mean, you have Gypsy too, weren't you part of that creation See, too? Gypsy's too. Gypsy's getting is walking this fine, not a fine line, but she's now into this dangerous territory of of cancellation because of the name, because the name Gypsy is considered now uh, derogatory. I, I've met Gypsies, and it's a whole it's a whole different attitude from the ones yeah, I have. Yeah. But you know, I I'm not going to knock it. I think that that character, like Vibe, could have been but done better, and it was. Vibe was definitely done better for television. Yeah, actually, Flash show. I really am proud of what they did. They did a better yeah. job than we did. And um, and I wanted Gypsy to be. I hope one day, she, you know, if that character is resurrected, that they will find another way to do her. Yeah, she yeah. isn't a derogatory. She's supposed to have been an expression of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean that's that's the freedom, right? One of the things they represent. Yeah. Freedom yeah. To, to do what's needed to be done without having anybody's thumb on them when they're doing it, right? It's about being creative, being creative and being uh, imaginative and original as much as possible, genuine. Yeah. And if you're going to just let something like a name hold you back, yeah, that's no different than me saying, you know, I didn't get this because I was black. I'm yeah. sure there was a lot of jobs I got, and I know of some that I it got passed over for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes even sexual preferences was the reason. Yeah. Not my job to cry about is to figure out how to get around that. Yeah. My, not my, it's not supposed to stop me from doing what I do. Yeah. And which is why now I'm embracing drawing. I do a lot of commissions. Yeah. Um, if I'm not doing commissions, I'm doing things of joy. I just did. I have a friend who is a. Um, we are now becoming more friends, but we're good acquaintances. He's a New York's uh, best-selling no novelist. Yeah. Um, writes these great, gnarly thriller sci-fi. Uh, action books and I love his character so as a present to him because he had a signing last weekend I did his three most famous characters as a comic I'm going to post them uh, that's so cool man and I was telling him I know he's trying to do these as comics but I'm like no this is a gift from one you've given me a lot of joy yeah and I've had so many people give me the, the greatest gifts I've had is fans giving me drawings of theirs yeah I can't tell you how touching that is to me. Yeah. And um, I'm, as a professional, I don't fanboy a lot. So if I'm a fan of yours, that's a big deal. Yeah. I got to really love what you do. And I've gotten to meet and work with some amazing people yeah. who I have enjoyed them because I've not only been acknowledged as uh, a collaborator with them, but they have appreciated me being their fan too. Yeah. Um, and Keith David in particular. Mark Hamill is in particular. People I've worked with like that and I've enjoyed. Uh, Lorraine Newman, you know, I got to work with her. Really, uh, my fanboy moments going, you know, I always liked you on Saturday Night Live. Okay, <laughs> I have a crush on you. She just loved it. You know, it was like, like I'm so grateful to have that given back to me. So I don't have a problem giving it to someone else. And it just floored him that he went, I finally see my my characters the way I wrote them. I went, yeah, that's what I do, but um, <laughs> that's my love of your characters, you know? Yeah. 
I took what I do to draw something I liked. And that's what I had missing in comics. Yeah. I was doing it. I wanted to draw Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, you know. The better Justice League, you can tell the ones where I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It went nuts. And the ones um, where it was like, oh, what happened? You know, uh, it was a job. Um, yeah. That's life. But I'm grateful for those moments where I really got to do the things I liked. Yeah. So in my later years, that's what I, I intend to do. When's the next uh, show that you'll be doing, Chuck? Pasadena. Oh, you're going to be at Pasadena. Nice. At the Pasadena show. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll make it to the, um, there was an Ontario show, but I. Yeah. Revolution. It's called. Ontario yeah, I Revolution. Know, I, yeah. I don't know who to contact anymore. So I don't know if I can get in there or not. Uh, I think, uh, I think you could get in. Well, what I'll do is um, our, I have a comic book store um, here in town and the owner Ambrose is his name and he also is an artist but he does like cartoons you know the three panel cartoons and that type of stuff so he could, yeah right strips we used to call them comics. yeah comic strips yeah, yeah like the old man i could never see <laughs> yeah he, he does that so um he was just at la comic-con and he had a table and so he knows the the folks that put that on it, only if you want I would be more than happy to get that information for you if you want. I would because I, I, I was going, I went to the first two. Okay. And then I couldn't make it to the third and I was going through, it was a lot of job stuff. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's when I was busy and weird time, busy and then not busy, busy and not busy. And so it's, it became, I mean, bottom line is I want this to be like a hobby and also my way of meeting the fans. Yeah. And now I have more time on that. It's like, okay. But, um, I just lost contact of who I talked to about yeah. it. I could get that for you. No problem. I appreciate it. No, great, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that show has gone up and down, but, you know, I try to be there for the fans who show up for me. So, but Last year I went, and it was a pretty good show. I mean, it, it seemed like it grew from the year prior, and it grows just kind of small, but they had taken over the whole other section. They made that into Artist Alley, and then that yeah. main section was for all the, you know, they had, I think, the um, – Power Rangers actors and actresses oh, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a few others there. Um, and then it's a lot of booths where they're selling, you know, comics and Funko Pops and all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, Marv was there last year signing autographs. <laughs> I ran into him. <laughs> Every once in a while, Marv will always sneak up on me. What are words of, you never call, you never write. It's well, great. Right. You know? <laughs> now I feel guilty. Because, you know? <laughs> I mean, Honestly, he and Lynn and George were the first guys outside of Dick. Yeah. I first got the job. So I've always, you know, I mean, all I'm telling you, the best moments I've had was working with him and yeah. Lynn on whether it was Vigilante or uh, Titans and, and learned so much. Again, a lot of the lessons I learned in dealing with production and writing and, you know, even with acting, I've learned from my dealings with those guys. Yeah, so, I I, I would love to see him again. Yeah. So, yeah, that's awesome. Actually, it was that one show where I actually got to see Jerry. So that was like that was kind of nice. that was because we kind of like got to you know put a lot of stuff aside and joke about what we went through. And, and yeah, kind of, it, it was like all this stuff I told you made me leave comics made me go. God, you know what? That wasn't so bad. I'm glad yeah. I, you know, it's all it's in the past. It's over and done with. Yeah, Ooh, you know. 
I think you've done pretty good um, <laughs> since then. So I think you're doing all right, Chuck. Oh, I don't know how I survived. I, I see an Emmy over your shoulder. So oh, I was that thing, that, really that, well. <laughs> I know a guy I have five. Okay. Wow, that's, that's <laughs> I mean, there was a studio I worked with that had five. And I would joke like, yeah, I bet if I took two, you would never notice. <laughs> 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 you know, well, you know, Todd is uh, supposed to be doing uh, another run at the animated series. Any interest or would you stay away from it? Honestly, I mean, drop dead on my door is always open. I would work with Todd. I would, but I know that. And uh, honestly, yeah, I would be shocked if he called. Gotcha. Um, We've had, I mean, most people don't know this. There is a Todd, there is a, a Spawn movie done that was done that was by, directed by me, um, Zach produced by um, um, Frank Parr, my director, original really? in Spawn. Um, Outside of the 1997 live action, there's another one. Yeah. Wow. It, if we were left alone, it would have came out around 99. Actually, oh. I got Dead Space because of it. Because um, the team I had on Spawn, uh, we transitioned them over to Dead Space when Spawn fell apart. Mm. Um, but we did all the models, all the. You can, if you go to the art of Todd McFarlane in the middle of the book, when he talks about the um, the Spawn, the animation, that was our show. Really, yeah. All the backgrounds were done. The tough part about it was that they producers were insisting on it being more or less 50% 3D. Okay. At that time, CGI was not at a place to play that game. I mean, that's one of the biggest, uh, I think, issues that hindered the 1997 film was when he's yeah. jumping off the balcony in his cape. It just, oh, it's just yeah. terrible, right? And, and so I think yeah. Yeah. characters like that, you just need really good CGI to really bring them to life. And if you don't have that, right, it's going to it's gonna come out a little corny. And I think that's one of the things that hindered it. It's just, I don't think technology well, is there yet, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I agree. And I told, I'll tell you what I told Todd straight when we were doing the show before the movie. Yeah. Todd got me the movie. I We were talking and he said, tell me straight what you think about Spawn the movie. And we, honestly, it couldn't decide what it wanted to be. Mm. The vision of it was, you know, here's somebody who is, I said, look, I, I'm not knocking the guy, but I'm knocking his approach. Mm. Whether he's a new director or not, I know he was a top CGI guy. Yeah, okay. That's guy. But this needed storytelling. Yeah, this yeah. needed a vision where you decide if it's horror or superhero. Yeah, yeah. If it's going to be superhero horror, decide on how you're going to approach that. Yeah. You just hit it around the head. When he jumps off the building, that cape should have been frightening. Yeah. The change should have been frightening. It looked ludicrous. Yeah. It did what CGI guys do. And I went through that on the show where I would tell them I want something and they will always fall back on, well, the computer would do it this way. And I go, no, you're supposed to tell the computer to do it a certain yeah. way. You were the program of the computer. Computer right. nothing without you. And so we kept taking more and more of the stuff away and kept the 2D elements, which did work. And um, I was, you know, I was, I was frightened. I was telling Todd, you know, I don't want to see this you know, become the hybrid that the movie was worse than the hybrid. It's yeah. got to tell the story. You got to, we got a powerful story here yeah. and we really got to play on mood. And that's the way you wrote it. And that's the way you ex we should execute it. And he agreed. Um, and unfortunately, by the time we were done, he got into a litigation uh, fight with the studio. I how much was it was about money always about money always about power 
And so they shelved the thing for 10 years. Wow. More until 10 years ago. He got it back. Obviously, they settled. Yeah. He got it back. But honestly, the story, the way we had drew it and set it up, is a little dated yeah, to yeah. where we are now. I mean, with technology, right, 10 years is like 100 years, right? So I assume in art and right. you know, that's the same thing, right? Well, the art and the CG has got to change. Yeah. I mean, you can't, I wouldn't, I didn't want to use the CGI we had then. I didn't want to use CGI backgrounds we had then. Yeah. Um, but you can do it a lot better now. But it means adjusting the story. The script was really a crime to wall story. And it had a lot more Sam and Twitch than it had Spawn. I love they were they were fun and, and the guys we had playing them was uh uh John Polito from um who had passed by the way he's a hell of an actor he was playing Sam and uh, he's from uh oh John Polito was from uh, uh not raising Arizona he was one of the other um Cohen brothers movies Miller's Crossing he was the head he was the old gangster boss who kept saying always put one in the head. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He was wonderful. Lovely. Um, Clancy Brown was playing the demon that we brought in. Yeah. We didn't want to use a clown. We came up with Mamnon. Or Todd came up with Mamnon. Yeah. And um and who we had for Twitch was Mark Hamill. Her Hamill. Mark Hamill was having fun as Twitch. Mark Hamill? Mark Hamill, yeah. Oh hey. <laughs> yeah, Mark Hamill. <laughs> he's Mark Hamill. It was funny because when he was doing it, he was trying to affect the voice. He was trying to find it. And finally, we looked at him and was like, Mark, just do you. <laughs> he goes, yeah, yeah, do, do, do you, do you. Because he's like your old crazy Jewish uncle. And um, and he hit it on all the parks. Like, now nah, we got our thing. So we had a great time recording it. Yeah. Um, a lot of politics around it. So that's why you would never see it. And I really doubt that that's, I mean, Todd's learned a lot since that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wrote the script and I had to really work with him on, okay, you're doing this, don't do that. Or say this, you know, or show that. And um, and he is his, I think he he has certainly grown in in his uh, belief in himself and his writing. So I think that whatever, I really doubt, this is a, it was a whole different story. Really? It was, um, I, I thought it was a great story. We really were all excited about it. Uh, I was hoping in my heart of hearts that HBO was going to re-pick it up because they always loved Spawn. Yeah, yeah. This was before streaming, too. I mean, now is a perfect time for it. I yeah. mean, I tell a lot of people, look, I don't care who you are, what they're doing. You can throw your arcane, you can throw your, your blue eyes samurais. The thing about Spawn was it still did something that no one else has done. Yeah. And that really made it a no. Or, or those shows owe a lot to Spawn. Not to knock them, but they owe a lot to the kind of um, hard, edgy yeah. storytelling that we were doing on that show. Yeah. And the movie was going to be more of that, yeah. even more so, even mm -hmm. more kind of a twisted uh, adult characterization. Mm -hmm. And so it breaks my heart. You'll never see it. Yeah. You know? If he does it, he'll do it his way. I don't know how he's doing it, but I doubt he'll bring me in because I'm, I'm too much of what I think he would see as old. Oh, I, I'll be shocked. I'll be totally shocked. And it's okay. Because I, obviously you, you got an Emmy from the animated series, so you did something right with Spawn. I like to think we did, you know. I think we're all <laughs> someone hold on, man. I'm just it's it's right on your shoulder. I mean if you just I'm slightly proud of it. It. 
<laughs> I'm proud of it, but you know that I mean, like I said, I've I've had doors. I've had to tell this to when I was at Turtles and went, look, this thing is getting more put more targets on my back than it has open doors. It has not been a golden key. It's intimidating to people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just unfortunate. It's intimidating. Here I am in my dark room talking to spooky chat. Anyway, I don't want to turn the light on and change the whole thing. No, but no, I'm, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Good. Although the Emmy keeps glowing the darker it oh, gets. Oh, nice. It's, <laughs> it's like the Green Lantern's Lantern, you know? Exactly. <laughs> like, uh, that was my other series that I really wanted out of my heart and I lost out to Dave Gibbons. Oh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> maybe for a good reason. Yeah. Uh, um, but no, it's like, um, it's weird about how that works because, yeah, it does give you a certain gravitas, but yeah. it also makes people feel like, I don't know. It's just my interpretation. Yeah. It does not, it, it, it just, it just makes you, I think people are intimidated. They think you're going to come in and do this. And I'm like, no, that's hard earned experience. That's not arrogance saying I'm better than. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, if I if I was uh if I am trying to apply for a CEO job, my chances of getting that CEO job increase significantly if I've already been a successful CEO. You would think, right, having an Emmy, you know, I don't know, do I need to say anymore? Like that that makes no sense to me at all. And I, I understand what you're saying, but that's Hollywood. Welcome to Hollywood. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I just no, I might explain this to I had to explain this to relatives sometimes when, you know, it's like, uh, I have to, I, another little story I'll tell you. I knew someone who got to take over a studio uh -huh. who was the most unqualified individual ever. Mm. One moment he's running the Xerox machine and less than a year he's now in charge of the studio. When it was all said and done, did he last long? No, <laughs> he didn't. But, but I bet you what, Chuck, he was easy to control, though, in that position. That's the key. See, yeah, you're hitting some great stuff here, Tom, but that's the thing. What I'm seeing now is not a matter of do you know more, yeah. is can I get what I want from you? Yeah. Can you work within the parameters? Like a lot of the young directors I'm seeing coming up, they wouldn't know to say no when they hear certain things. Like yeah. that one show I was telling you about. Um, where it was based off of something and it seemed like a slam dunk. You just base it off that. But they had no idea of the pratfalls they were falling in. They just knew that, well, when I was on the show, we did it this way. And it's like, no, you got to talk to the studio and find out what their parameters is. And you got to make them a partnership to get it done. Right. Yeah. You don't make them, you don't make them feel like they're working for you. I don't yeah. care how much money you're giving because they're the ones doing the final work. So guess what? And that little bit of experience amazed the studio, like, wow, we didn't see that. It was, yeah, because what you heard was ambition. You saw talent, these guys were very talented, but yeah. what they didn't have was experience. And they went in on what they knew because they were always at, they weren't at the table. Yeah, yeah. It's different if you're at the table and you're talking eye to eye and then you hear and then you put two and two together. Right. But if it's outside and you're getting hearsay, you know, I don't know how many times you know, uh, my other friend and I would joke about shows that we've done and then they bring in a new guy and the new guy, the first thing he does is try to change everything we've done. And he has it all justified. You're and right. then after all the money and the dust is settled and you saw they spent X amount of dollars, they went right back to what you did. Yeah. And I go, how many times have we seen that happen? And we can tell them it's going to happen, but that exec who's, and that's the part I blame. I don't blame the, the, 
a little whippersnapper who's going to go in and change things. He's stupid. He's going to do it. That's what you do. I blame the ones who should know better who allow him to do it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then problem gets caught, and it's like, oh, shit, we made a bad decision. Now we got to bring in a canary in a cage to tell us what's going on. Exactly, yeah. How you got my career. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's, it's funny to look at it now. I mean, a couple yeah. years, several years ago, it really bummed me out. And yeah. then you get to a point where it's like, okay, that's Hollywood, and yeah. you got to find a way to work around it. Um, so I know guys who made a total career and just keep doing that, jump from job to job. And um, but it is discouraging because yeah. the common sense thing would be do this. Like you said, find someone who has experience in doing that, work with them on that. Mm. Listen to how we can make this simpler. No, we're gonna take the round wheel and make it move like a square, but it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be a round wheel, but it's gonna <laughs> They're going to love this square as they're trying to move around. They're just going to love it. Once they get it done, now they can brag. We've done this. Look what we've done. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. And and now we're stationary. So now what do we do? <laughs> yeah. And then you find out those same people who are in charge aren't there. Aren't there next time. Yeah. And it goes on. It goes on. It goes on. But yeah, they want people they can control who's going to basically you know, justify their scheme. And they don't want someone's going to tell them no. Yeah. Yeah. Or... It's not going to sell and they'll be forced to, which is happens yeah. sometimes too, right? The scary thing is it's going to sell. I mean, yeah. that was the thing we used to joke about. I mean, I used to even tell Todd, you know, we can take a sock, make take a red sock, put it on the wall and say, spawn. It's going <laughs> to get so hit. Actually, I think he told me that. <laughs> I was like, right, you could. And the joke is, all right, what do you have after that? It doesn't matter. You've got 9 million hits on the wall that says spawn. And as long as we got that, we got the anticipation, and that's what we want to get is this anticipation. Once get the numbers, um, we'll worry about putting it together later yeah. <laughs> while we're putting it together. That's happened many, many times. Yeah. Or then you hear of a show we didn't put together you never even heard of before, and all of a sudden it's a huge hit. Yeah. And those are the scary ones where it's like, wow, going back to what I said, they had a clear vision of what they wanted to do, and they were left alone to do it, and they were given what they needed to do it, and they came out with it and it found its audience and it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow, what happened there? They read the instructions. <laughs> you know, they followed the instructions. I think a good example of that is that one anime live action that just came out called One Piece. Yes. On oh, Netflix. Oh. I mean, most oh. US audiences didn't even know what that was. And now it's it, it beat Wednesday, which I thought was absolutely incredible, too, as far as viewership. So that came out of nowhere, and it yeah. surprised everyone. Now everyone's running back to the books, which the author sold 500 million copies of already. Can you imagine what he's going to do now? Oh, yeah. I, see, that's the part that I kind of, my heart is still with the comics. Yeah. Um, years and years, eons ago, um, when I first got, uh, my first Justice League was coming out, uh -huh. I was at the bookstore. Nobody else was around. I think it was a Forbidden Planet in New York. And there was this guy walking around looking kind of squirrely, meaning that he was looking like, I don't anybody know who I am, and I knew exactly who he was. It was Stephen really? King. And, uh, and I got to talk to him and told him, I'm just starting in the business. I love your stuff. You got me through college and everything. And he was really appreciative of it. And, and when he showed me his book that he was writing, and I want to say it was Christine at the time. Mm. But anyway, it was a, it was, it was a galley story. And that's why I felt privileged. He was showing me this thing that no one has seen. And I asked him the big question, as a fanboy, as a coming creator, he goes, does it bother you when they create, when they do movies based on your stuff? Because it's shiny. I love yeah. the book, The Shining. 
And I knew the movie The Shining was a whole different thing. And he went, here's the thing, man. It doesn't matter. Look, they're going to do whatever they're going to do when they do a movie. This book stays me. Yeah, It stays me for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I went, okay, so the smart thing is do something that's yours. Yeah. No matter how you do something, do something that you're And that's a hard lesson to do because to sit down and create your own thing. As we said earlier, it's not an easy thing to do. But it should be the end thing we all learn to do as creators. Do yeah. your own thing. Because that's going to outlast whether you make a movie of it or not. Or you make a movie make a billion dollars. Yeah. Book is the pure thing. That's you. Yeah. And you can touch that. No, no, no guy who's going to come in and do a new version of the movie can touch that book. Yeah. Yeah. Who loves that book is going to stay up that book. I still love The Shining. I still love The Stand. I don't care how many versions Salem thought. I can read that till the cows come home. Okay. The versions they do. I love the original TV version. I didn't yeah. like the new one. So they're doing a new one. It doesn't matter. Book <laughs> lasts forever. And that's, yeah. a, I, I think, a, a beautiful lesson that was taught to me by Stephen King. Yeah. Directly from the horse's mouth. And, um, and, and that was something I take to my grave. Okay, there's got to be something you got to do that stays with you and that you... It's, you know, doesn't matter how it's adopted. Doesn't matter how much money was put into it. Yeah. It's got to stay you. Or if you're lucky, you can be like the Avatar guys. They created something. I mean, Avatar, not yeah. Jim Cameron, but the, the Avatar, the other guy. I hate that he took that. But anyway, <laughs> our animation guys, I admire amazingly because I know what they went through to get that show off the, off the ground. They had nothing to compare it to. Yeah. You, know, you can't say, hey, it's like Scooby-Doo. You can't say it's like that. It's like Turtles. They yeah. got nothing like that. And when I saw it, I went, wow, this is a labor of love that these guys were able to be, they were able to come in with this vision, yeah. show it to the studio. They believed them enough to leave them alone and let them get it done. Yeah, I'm sure there was some back and forth and crap because that's what happens. Yeah. But they still were left alone to create it. Yeah. It's the best place to be. Incredible, man. Yeah, yeah. And some of us got close to it. I have to say I got close to it. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. It gives you an idea of what you do to, if you get another chance, what you want to do. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, what a what an amazing life lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also can scare the hell out of you sometimes. <laughs> sure, absolutely. <laughs> That'll be a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Chuck, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you spending time um, with me, man. This has been more of a pleasure than I thought it would be. And I thought it would be a pleasure already. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I would love to do this again sometime. Um, and I hope to uh, see you at Pasadena. I'm glad that you're oh, going to be there. And I, I, I insist you come over and say hi, because I'm, oh, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to get swapped when I am, but I'm glad to <laughs> say hi. And, and I enjoyed this too. Thank you. No, I yeah, really no, it was amazing, man. Just to hear your incredible incredible uh experience man it's just i think a lot of people get help from this if they listen for sure i hope so i mean i tell this is the reason i do it is that i hope that the next young whoever comes up and that they i always say make a liar out of me you know or do, <laughs> exactly. better. do better please do better because um i want to see that that's what gets me up in the morning that's what made me come through those doors to become who i'm supposed to be you know absolutely um, so thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. I enjoyed this too. <laughs> well, Mr. Chuck Patton, I hope you have a great weekend and uh, we'll talk very soon. And I'll give you that information on Ontario Revolution. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great night. Okay.
You too, man. All right. Bye-bye. Oh, my gosh.